0: The Bible reading for our our focus today is from the Gospel of Luke, from chapter 12, and this is verses 22 through 31. And Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these My biggest hesitation about this uh, book, Questions Jesus Asked, is, at first glance, it seemed to me that chapter two and chapter three were about the same thing. Is it just me? Many of our small groups in Sunday school classes are, are looking through this, this book by McGray Vega. Each chapter explores a different question that Jesus poses to his followers. Questions which when we ponder them for ourselves, reveal something about our faith and about our relationship with Jesus. I'm using those same questions as the basis for the Sunday morning sermons. Last week, chapter two was about the question, why are you afraid? Chapter three this week asks, why are you anxious? Isn't that the same question? Well, no, not exactly. As I pondered that, and especially as I examined the scripture passages in which Jesus asked those two questions, they're really getting at two different things. They are related, to be sure. Fear and anxiety are very similar. It's not for nothing that we often use the words interchangeably, but they're not identical. In the passage we looked at last week when Jesus asked, why are you afraid? The disciples were in immediate danger. They were encompassed by a storm at sea which threatened to sink the boat that they were in. They were being threatened with bodily harm, with death. The fear that Jesus addressed had to do with a moment of severe crisis, impending death. In the face of that kind of real and pressing danger, Jesus asked, why are you afraid? Suggesting that even in the face of death, we can find the peace of Christ. Not because no harm will ever come to us, not not because Christians are impervious to death, but because Christ has defeated death. Jesus has opened up the way to eternal life, so there really is nothing to fear, not even death. That's what that question was about. Anxiety is a little bit different or in many translations, worry, anxiety, worry. It's not an acute fear of a clear and present danger, rather it's a more general condition, a constant state in which we often live our lives, a weight that hangs upon us. Our passage begins by Jesus saying this to his disciples. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. This is not the boat we're in is about to get swamped and our lives are about to end. This is, can you believe the price of groceries? (laughs) This is, My clothes are getting threadbare. This is that ongoing discomfort about the job, the nagging concern about the bills. This is about day-to-day issues, concerns that are in one sense routine and yet can still present a big struggle and drag us down. The question that provides our focus for today, why are you anxious is actually just one of several questions that Jesus asks in this passage. The first one is this, of how much more value are you than the birds? Before asking that question, Jesus had just stated that that ravens neither build storehouses nor barns, and yet God provides all the food they need. They don't have to fret about will there be enough. There just is. And then he asks, or he declares, of how much more value are you than the birds? In English grammar, this is called an exclamatory question. It's worded like a question, but it's used as an exclamation. If you say to a mother about her child, isn't he growing so fast? You're not expecting her to answer, well, when you consider his age and the proportional height of his father, the doctor says he's right on track. If someone says to you, can you believe the price of groceries? And you answer with, yes, I've been following the commodities market quite closely and with shipping expenses and the global cost of petrol being what it is right now, the price of groceries is actually quite logical. You're probably not getting invited to their next party. The only correct answer to an exclamatory question is, I know, right? (laughs) Of how much more value are you than the birds? I know, right? It's not worded as a question, it's worded as a question, but Jesus intends it as an exclamation. You are of so much more value than the birds. You can't even compare how much more valuable you are than the birds. If God takes care of them, he's going to take care of you even more. If God provides for the birds' needs without them having to fret and worry, then you don't need to fret and worry for God to meet all your needs either. You know that uh, Laura and I moved uh, here to this appointment on very short notice. Prior to moving here, we uh, we're living in a parsonage in Xenia, because we were in a parsonage and because the church that we were at at the time was going to be receiving a new pastor shortly after I left, staying there and commuting was not an option, not even for a short time. We had to move down here as soon as I was done up there. We had exactly three weeks, not only to pack up and move, but to even figure out where we were going to move to. There isn't a parsonage here. We're, we're free to live wherever we, we want, which is great, but that also presents uh, a challenge when you have less than three weeks to figure out where that's going to be. At first, I thought about buying a house. That idea lasted about a minute. I don't know if you've looked at the housing market lately. If, uh, if you have a house that you've owned for quite a while, you're, you're going, yeah. If you're in the market to buy, you're going, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) So buying was out, at least for the moment. But there are always places to rent, right? So we found a whole bunch of houses for rent nearby. We spent several evenings driving down from Xenia to look at some. Everything we looked at was either too small for our family or in disrepair or not a good neighborhood or the rent was too high. There didn't seem to be anything out there that was suitable for our needs. And I can tell you, we were getting discouraged. You might say we were beginning to fret and worry. It's easy for Jesus to say, don't be anxious about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. But when you don't even know where you're going to live in two weeks, it's hard not to be a bit anxious. But don't you know, God provided, just like he always does. He led us to to a rental house that perfectly suits all of our needs, and the good folks here at Faith were incredibly helpful in making all the arrangements that were needed. It was all good. It was better than good. It's been better than we could have hoped for. There was no need to worry, there was a need to plan. We did have to get busy looking. When when Jesus tells us not to worry or be anxious about such things, he's not telling us not to think about them at all. He's not saying sit at home and do nothing and God will make all the arrangements for you. It doesn't work that way. We have to think about it. We have to consider our possibilities. We have to weigh our options. We have to get out there and do the work. But if we do that and we are prayerful about it, then we can trust that God is going to bring it all together in his way and in his time. But that sometimes is what causes the anxiety, isn't it? We want to do it on our timetable. We want to be in control. But but if if we would just consider how faithful God has been time and time again, if we would think about the birds, how the worm always... Pops up out of the ground at the right time for the ravens. And of how much more value are we than the birds? The next verse is another question. This one is more clearly a question than the first, but it's still a rhetorical question. Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his span of life? The answer is clearly no one. Jesus was not inviting someone to say, actually, I've worried myself into 15 extra days so far. (laughs) Jesus was obviously driving at the fact that worrying cannot add to our lifespan. The truth of the matter goes beyond that, though. Not only can worrying not extend our lives, research now shows that perpetual anxiety can reduce life expectancy. It is possible to literally worry yourself to death, which for a person like me who is always living in a state of anxiety, that is just one more thing for me to worry about. (laughs) Worrying about the fact that I can't stop worrying causes me to worry even more, and then there's the worry that my worry is disappointing Jesus. So add to my constant anxiety, the anxiety that I'm letting Jesus down by my anxiety, It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? People often tell me that they're surprised when I tell them that that I struggle with anxiety. The truth is I am a big ball of constant anxiety. I worry about every little thing. I I play out entire conversations in my head. Do you know I've actually gotten mad at people for conversations we only had in my imagination? I was stressing about the conversation before it ever took place, and I didn't like the way I imagined they responded to me. And we got into this huge argument, and it was all in my head. It was just me worrying about the worst case scenario. Vega cites a recent study by the Department of Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, which concluded that 91% of the things we worry about do not actually come true. But I say it's that 9% that does come true that'll get you. I want to be prepared. But it's true. These things that we play out in our heads never play out in real life as badly as I had imagined. I get all worked up for nothing. Jesus was right in pointing out that anxiety is not going to extend... The quantity of my life, but I'm also keenly aware that it does nothing for the quality of my life either. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get us to realize by his third question, the one which poses our title for this week, verse 26, if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? If you are not able to do as small a thing as add one hour to your life by worrying, then why are you expending so much energy being anxious over every little thing? The why in that question. Why are you anxious? He's not asking about the circumstances that are causing your anxiety. He's asking what you think you're going to accomplish by it. He's not asking, is it housing that you're worried about? Is it your job stability? Is it your health condition? Is it your teacher? Is it your boss? Is it your children? He's not asking what it is that makes you anxious. He's asking, what good is being anxious about any of these things doing for you? Regardless of what is causing the anxiety, even even if it's a very important thing, even if it's a very serious concern, is worrying about it going to produce the effect that you want? To what end do you think this anxiety is going to lead? What payoff do you expect to get for all of this worry? In most situations, the mental fretting and emotional fussing that we put ourselves through is not gonna fix this situation and it could quite possibly make things worse. So what are we supposed to do? Just stop? Just stop worrying? Dealing with constant anxiety as I do, I know that telling a person to just stop worrying is less than helpful, could even be harmful. For someone who has Clinical anxiety, let me say that is not something of which you need to be ashamed. You don't have to try and hide it from me. That's why I'm being honest about my own struggles in that area because I know what it's like. And I may make light of my own struggles, but I will not make light of yours. I know this is a serious thing. You don't need to hide your struggles from us, and you don't need to hide them from God either. Jesus doesn't teach about anxiety because he wants us to be ashamed of it. He teaches about anxiety because he wants us to deal with it. He wants us to confront it in healthy, life-giving ways. If for you that means professional counseling or medication, thank God for that. Those can be tremendous blessings. But whether your anxieties are of the clinical nature or just the everyday worries that we all wrestle with, Jesus confronts the issue because he does not want us to just settle into those worries as the way it has to be. Anything that saps life from us is not something that Jesus is going to be content to just leave alone. God wants us to experience abundant life in him. Jesus wants to set us free for joyful living, productive living, fruitful living. And for us to receive that that kind of abundant life, we have to allow our faith to speak into those anxieties. Verse 28 contains the, the fourth and, and the final question that Jesus poses in this passage. Like the first one, this one is also an exclamatory question. He's just been pointing out the lilies of the field, how beautiful they are, how richly adorned in glorious splendor. And then he asks, if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, tomorrow thrown into the oven, How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? There it is again, O you of little faith. He used that same expression when he was confronting the disciples' fear. Now he uses it in response to their anxiety. I don't think he does that to make them worry that they're not faithful enough. That would be counterproductive, giving them and us one more thing to be anxious about. I think what he's trying to do is to point out that they already have what they need, what they need most in order to combat their anxiety, faith. Faith. He calls them people of little faith, not because they don't have faith, but because they're disregarding it. They're not allowing their faith to speak if they would focus on their faith rather than their worries, it would go a long way in calming their souls. And the same is true of us. If we will focus on our faith as much as we dwell on the obstacles against us, then we can find peace. When I reflect on what God has done for me in the past, All the times that I felt like I was up against a wall, but God opened a new door. All the times I felt ill-equipped, but God brought me through. Makes it a whole lot easier to find that calm assurance for the present moment. I talked earlier about Laura and I moving and the anxiety of having to find a suitable home on short notice, but you know, I had been through that before. I experienced a very similar situation when I was preparing for seminary. I was getting frustrated because I knew I was following God's call, but I couldn't find a place to live where I could follow God's call. You know what? God came through, just the right place at just the right time. So this time I could look back and I could remember that God has been faithful every time in the past, and I can trust him to be faithful once again. The Hebrew people throughout the Old Testament were always being told to remember the Exodus. Why? To remind them that God had delivered them in the past and that God would deliver them once again. So when you're feeling anxious, remember those times that God has delivered you, when God has brought you through, when God has been there and proven himself faithful And know that he is with you even now. And he is going to do it again. And remember too that the basic teaching of our faith. That it's all about grace. It's all about God. We do nothing to earn God's love. There's nothing we can achieve that makes us good enough we don't have to. That's the point. That's the good news. That's the gospel. God loves you. God loves you no matter what. With all your foibles and failures and anxieties, God loves you. God sent Jesus for you to prove it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to look like society says you should look. You don't have to act like someone else says you should act because God is the only one that matters and God thinks you are all that. That's why he sent Jesus, to give you his perfection, to make you perfect through him. Grace upon grace, it is all about God. So when you start stressing about not being good enough, about not being perfect, about feeling inadequate, when you're anxious because you feel like you should have a handle on things and you just don't, remember your faith. Your faith that says, it's not about that. It's about grace. God is wrapping you up in His grace. The grace of God is sufficient for your every need, for your every struggle through every trial and everything you do, and even when you do nothing because you just can't right now. The grace of God is upon you. The Lord is there. He loves you. He's wrapping you in His grace. Remember that. Live in that faith. Rest in that faith. And you will be anxious for nothing. May it be so. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for being there for us. Thank you for all those times in the past, Lord, when you have brought us through even when we could see no way. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us time and time again how truly loved we are by you. How graciously you provide for our every need. And help us, Lord, when we feel those anxieties creep up, when we begin to to worry about all those little things. Remind us of the big thing, which is your love, your provision, your grace and your mercy, that you have claimed us as your own and that that claim will endure forever. That we can entrust ourselves entirely to you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. Thank you for that mercy. Lord, continue to work within us to ease those anxieties, to grow our faith, to increase our reliance upon you, and to let us experience that sense of peace, the peace of knowing that we are your own, for you have claimed us in Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we offer our worship, our prayers, in our very lives.